This episode is brought to you by Auth0. That's Auth0.com. In this episode, we get to speak with designer, author, educator, the king of web standards, a person apart from the rest, Jeffrey Zeldman. We discuss... COVID, the life of Jeffrey Zeldman, and the web is for everybody. Welcome to Thunder Nerds. I'm Brian Hinton. I'm Frederick Philip Von Weiss, and thank you for consuming the Thunder Nerds, a conversation with the people behind the technology that love what they love do. Love what they do and do tech good. Good. Hi. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on our first episode of season six. Really appreciate it. Brian, go ahead and take us off. Yeah, I'd like to thank this season's sponsor again. Uh, coming back again is Auth0. Uh, they make unified logins for apps uh, easy uh, and uh, allow you to make a custom, secure, and standards-based unified login by providing authentication and authorization as a service. You can find out more at Auth0.com, and they have a lot of uh, uh, other outlets like YouTube.com, Auth0, Auth for great developer resources their Twitch channel, uh, Twitch TV forward slash off zero for some great live streams. And uh, they also have Avocado Labs for an online destination for meetup events organized by their advocates at avocadolabs.dev. Thank you again, off zero. Yeah, thank you, Auth0. Really appreciate it. So with uh, all the uh, adieus being furthered now, let's go ahead and get to our amazing guest. We have designer, author, educator, the king of web standards, and a person apart from the rest, Jeffrey Zeldman. Welcome to the show, Jeffrey. Thanks, Frederick. Uh, thanks, Brian. It's awesome to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we really appreciate you being here. Uh, Jeffrey, why don't we first start off with something topical, which is uh, everything going on with, with the COVIDs. We're still experiencing mm -hmm. this. It's it's hard for a lot of people to even get a vaccine. And uh, for a lot of us, it's just not obtainable at the moment with age and, and, and whatnot or jobs. And certainly uh, it's probably going to the right people at the moment. But you, you've you received now the, the, the two doses. Uh, yep. Love to hear your experience and want to know how the knee's doing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh I got two doses because I'm old, and uh, I mean, there's a whole lot of frontline workers who haven't gotten it. Um, people with unglamorous jobs like janitors who haven't gotten it, uh, food delivery people, mail people, that's wrong. They yeah. should have gotten it first. I get it because, but I, I have the privilege that I, you know, I work at Automatic, uh makers of wordpress and so forth uh wordpress.com and uh i have the privilege to work remotely so i could have waited i also have read like if if you qualify you should go get it um you're not actually helping people if you decide it's not up to you you basically when your lottery is called you just go so i went um and i'm also glad to have had the second one had it just a few days ago doing okay um, the, so the experience is you in New York, the experience is there's 50 websites. Uh, they were designed by whoever they could get. 
Um, they're not, it's not a UX experience, right? It's not like a, a very cultivated UX experience. It's under-resourced folks from very, you know, somebody knows uh, HTML or JavaScript and uh, they throw something together. It's like whack-a-mole in reverse. Um, basically, you're told this is the, you know, that you have it and you, you just click one link after another until you find a website that has an event that you can go to and you sign up for it. And if it's, you know, what it's, it's not going to be like, they're doing it in a hospital on my block, but I can't go to that one. You know, it's like, I, I go to another borough. So I've been, I've been to uh, another neighborhood, another borough. The first one they got, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was sad to see there were people who had trouble, difficulty walking and so forth, and they hadn't really set up for them. It's still, you know, mm. it's a work in progress. Um, and on the got, other hand. And you got COVID too, right? Uh, I mean, I, I, you're, you bl- yeah. I blogged about it too. <laughs> in late <laughs> February, in late February of last year, I came down with it. For three weeks, I denied that it was COVID, like I was sure. Or something else. I was already working remotely and I wasn't going out. So yeah. I quarantined without really thinking about it. But but uh then I saw the doctor and said, Yeah, he said, Yeah, that's it. Um, I had it for about four months. Um I'm still in recovery. I still I breathe like Darth Vader when I'm carrying groceries. I can't really if I walk more than a block, I'm tired uh so that's the first thing and the second thing is there's some weird neurological stuff for me like this morning i was looking in i was looking at five bottles of medicine in a medicine chest except there were only four but i saw five and then i went but i know there's four and then i saw four so i'm not dyslexic my daughter is i'm sure my brother is sure my dad was my daughter's mom is, it was overdetermined. I never had that. My problems with math were emotional. Like, you know, like I, I, I didn't want to, I didn't like math as a, I'm creative. I don't want to do math. <laughs> That's for nerds. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. No, I didn't Not mind being math. a nerd. I didn't mind being a nerd at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, no. I just meant the little kid thing, you know, as a little kid. Yeah, That's for nerds. Absolutely. I, 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 we could probably spend an hour on that, but any, but anyway, so <laughs> there's, there's stuff, there's like some neurological damage. I don't really know the extent of it. I get, I have to take a nap every day. Then again, I'm old. So, you know, who, how much of this is, would have happened anyway. I don't know. I wouldn't say you're, you're that old, but I mean, yeah, uh, having a nap is very nice, but, <laughs> but yeah, the, the brain the fog. Greatest. Yeah the brain fog for people is, is seems like a, a very real thing. And a lot of people are experiencing that. And um, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. What about the, the, the post kind of um, uh, experience? Like, do you, do you, are you, do you have any kind of like a depression from it? Are you, are you suffering anything from like, Oh, this, this, this brain fog is just bringing me down. It's, it's, it's hard to concentrate, etc. No, I, um, I'm really a survivor by personality 
and I've overcome things in the past. And so I'm really grateful to be alive. I know people who died. I know people who are much more incapacitated. I really glass half full. I'm, I'm, I, I'm lucky to have a job. I'm lucky I can, you know, do my conference as well. And I can do what I need to do. I can take care of my kid. I'm a, I'm a homebody with an anxiety disorder. So being stuck at home doesn't bother me. And my kid's here, so, and, and her mom lives very close by. So uh, all that is good. I, I, I think there's, I hate to say there's silver linings because especially for people who've lost somebody, it sounds yeah. incredibly callous to go, hey, it hasn't been so bad. No, it's been terrible. It's that's horrible. But um, mm -hmm. but spending extra time with your family because the schools close during the day, not a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, we all have our own context, our own world and our, our own yeah. difficulties and you know, trials and tribulations. So I think that's understandable. And I love all your I love all your titles for the world's shittiest vacation. That's totally true. Did I, did I, did I say that? Yeah, for yeah. COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. It's that like, great. hey, we're having spaghetti again. <laughs> it's possible to have too much spaghetti. I thought it was uh, uh, pretty interesting, too. I, I don't know. Interesting maybe is the right word, but it, it, it sucked that you had that issue with your, your I think your air condition went out and like ruined your floors while you're like deep in the sickness. Yeah. Yeah. So I lay there. I lay there with a flooded floor for a couple of months. Oh, and my God. kid isn't old enough. Like it, she couldn't really. But so so and then I had a guy come in. But it was a class. Did you ever watch uh, Mr. Blanding's Builds His Dream House? Or you ever just listen to a comedian do a monologue about? I mean, once you get an expert in the, in, oh, they know yeah. and you don't know. And uh -huh. <laughs> all these other problems. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's well, it's really what it is. Yeah. So it ended up being much more expensive. And I have really good insurance, but it's America. So, like they said, that's great. You have it's cost seven thousand dollars. That's terrific. You're fully covered. I'm like, oh, thank goodness. And they're like, we'll cover two thousand dollars of it because <laughs> five thousand is deductible. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. What, yeah, you know, but you know, so, but now I have a floor, so that's nice, and I love that floor. And I've kind of swept everything that was in my room into a corner of the living room that I don't look at, and um. There's basically a what used to be a dining room area is now just a storage unit. I don't go there. I don't look at it. It's depressing. Uh, but my room looks like a Japanese monastery. Ooh. There's like there's a bed. There's a little statue. There's a bureau. A light. That's it. And 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 it's great. I have a lot of peace in that room. Yeah. Um, I, I would. I, I wanted to make a point, which is, I'm fortunate to work at a good company, but um, I think there are people coming back with brain fog and other problems, who are then getting, not where I work, but at other companies, who are then sort of getting pushed out of their position, because they make mistakes. This is the third time you've made that mistake, or 
Do you know what I mean? You're yeah. not paying attention. You're not learning. We changed that process last week. I think managers, if they're listening, like managers need to be a little extra sensitive right now and supportive. I think many are, but but if there's somebody who, and if there's somebody who feels like they're having issues which are not their fault, which are purely neurological and because they had COVID, but they're getting punished like they're a scofflaw or like they're just not doing their job, I think it's okay for them to um, request a little support. I, I think it's really important for companies to do that right now. Yeah, that's that's a really great point because, as you said, so many people are coming back and you know, having these these issues that it's it's not a fault or anyone's fault. Um, I, you know, that's a different discussion. But yeah, uh, we, we need to be a little bit more understanding and caring to help everyone get adjusted and and see where things go. I mean, it's we're still uh, probably a good year off from getting to uh, some kind of level of normal, uh, maybe sooner, I don't know. It's certainly not the fastest to get these vaccine vaccines out there for um, for people. I mean, as you see right now, it's people are fighting. I read on, on the news the other day that uh, there was two people in Florida that, go Florida, that dressed up like elderly people so they oh. could sneak in and get vaccines. Oh God. <laughs> And it worked. Uh, it worked. And it worked. They got don't the vaccine. They have records? And they... Don't you have to show a birth certificate? No, no, are. no. We're talking about Florida, Jeff. No. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, because yeah. in New York, you have to show like your age or that you have a, a job. Like you have a job. Actually, in New York, they're really good with frontline workers, medical frontline workers. If you show that you're a medical frontline worker, you know, you, but you have, okay. So, Florida, you just walk in and that's bizarre. Yeah. yeah, in Florida, you walk know. in, you're, you you know, you pass them a beer, and it's like, cool, all right. I can okay. say that because I'm from Florida. It's it's oh, very okay. everything's okay. everything's yeah, very yeah. lenient. That's here. fair. Same. That's fair. Same, okay. same here. Um, yeah, I'd like to transition a little bit into your your background, Jeffrey, but I want to read a quick quote uh, before we <laughs> sure. before we do that. Um, I would recommend this browser to any Mac user. In fact, I'd recommend it to anybody because I believe it is the most standards conformant browser released by any company so far on any computing platform. It's a win for designers and a win for people who use the web. And that is a first. And that, that was you, of course. And uh, IE5 was the browser, which just, uh, I say that just to highlight, you know, how, how long you've been in the field, how much, how the contribution over the years, um, not because IE5 is good anymore, but back then it was. IE5 Mac, that was IE5 Mac. IE5 Mac, yes, correct, yeah. So um, the the lead <laughs> developer behind that, behind the Tasman rendering engine, Tantic Chelik, became a friend of mine, and he'd been involved in web standards for a long time. And he made the horrible mistake of supporting web standards before <laughs> his company had fully aligned around that objective. Yeah. Um, and that's not the fault of Microsoft. They were ahead of the game versus Netscape. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, at the time. But uh, it was the first time somebody had really tried to. I There's a weird thing with the in the beginning of CSS. Nobody except possibly Eric Meyer mm -hmm. 
really knew how it should work because there was no, it was a chicken and egg problem. So, right, so Hokum Lee and Bert Bose created CSS, CSS1, and no browser supported it because it was in their minds and they said, this is how it should work, but what did that mean? And so there were test suites and, but you know, that's, it's a, it, I mean, it, it's a process like a creative process, like um, making a movie and you start with a script and then there's storyboards. And then when you're actually building the models, you find out that the mountain doesn't relate to, it looked great in the storyboard, but when it's actually made of clay and it's put in the background of the shot, it doesn't work. So you have to rethink that. And, and that's, you know, yeah. web, the web standards design saga was a lot like that. There were a lot of great ideas, but then a lot of things, you know, when you dream, you know who a character is, but, or you know how dreams like leave blanks? Like it's not always, oh, it's yeah. not filled. Like that's why movie scenes of dreams never work because they shoot every pixel, obviously. So you can see every detail of the, the doctor's beard and his freckles and the wart on his nose. But in real, you know, in the real world, in your dream, maybe there's just a medical gown floats by or who knows what. Some synapse is fired and you think so. Web, uh, web standards implementations were a lot like that. CSS was a lot like that. This is what we think it should do. I had a book. I don't remember the author now. I feel really bad. It was the first CSS book I got in 1996. And it was, here's what we think it should do. Here's what we think will happen. Oh, man, I, I apologize profoundly to this author. But the author, it was, it, was, it was guesses. And then he was sort of in Photoshop faking screens. Like, I think it ought to look like this. And I think this is what Float will do. Um, but... Hmm. The other thing, even when IE5 Mac came out, for a long time, I was still doing layouts as tables. So basically, I would do symbol, column, their tables, because how do you make columns in CSS? Wasn't, it wasn't part of the original specification. In fact, it really wasn't part of the specification until CSS Grid, like, you know, a few years ago. So basically, for a long time, we've been getting by on hacks. Oh yeah, definitely. We have floats, <laughs> clear fix. <laughs> yeah, all that it's weird guy. because there's a hypocrisy. I don't know if hypocrisy is exactly the perfect word, but there's a contradiction, maybe a slight hypocrisy. We're like, no, you shouldn't do it that way. There's standards. Oh, so what's the standard <laughs> for layout? Well, um, use floats, but but aren't they supposed to be used? For Shut up. Use floats. <laughs> exactly. That's the standard. So go ahead and use uh, some images for your uh, rounded corners in your table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Those were oh, those were. Oh. I hated those days. <laughs> Doug Bowman. There was a whole generation of wonderful Doug Bowman, Dan Cederholm, um, Dave Shea, just really, really talented people who came up with, uh, you know, Dave. Dave Doug Bowman was like, you know, the rounded corners in in before we had responsive design, but we had like mm. liquid design, like oh, yeah. flexible design. How could you make the rounded corner and then allow that tab to get what? Now it's, you don't even think about it, but then it was, it was there were so many layers and you'd be like, oh, I'm yes, so glad I got hacks. rid of table, table layouts. Now I just have 7,000 divs and spans and I'm using italic to mean add this rounded corner, like just, you know, 
It goes yeah. back to the hacks conversation. I, I right. every once in a while too, I, I get this uh, this kind of PSD where where I'm like, uh, can I actually do that? I'm like constantly on, can I use? And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, that that does exist. Okay, just checking. <laughs> so I I love can I use? What a wonderful public service! But I also hate can I use? Um, oh, my elaborate. my 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 conference partner Eric Meyer, a genius, also would have charts of like, here's. You know, here's how the 5.0 browsers support on various platforms, support various, or um, Peter Paul Koch is another like like brilliant person who would make these charts of what worked and didn't in various browsers. And I was just like, well, the reason, so the reason I loved it was, you know, without that, we couldn't do our jobs. And the reason I hated it was it's a standard, it's just supposed to work. I hated that we yeah. had, you know, and that, that's very childish in a way because time takes time. Yeah, and it's like the chicken but, and egg thing too. Because right. like if, if if you see, oh, it's not supported and no one's doing it, then the browser's like, well, no one's doing it. We don't need to support it. That's another thing. That's, that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. HTML5 it's so frustrating. Yeah. HTML5 has, has things in it, not because they're well-considered best practices, but because, well, this is what, this is what 50 developers were doing that you know, that Hicks, Ian Hickson followed. He said, well, they're all calling it content area, so it's now going to be called <sighs> content area or whatever. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so it made sense, pave the cow paths. It made sense to go, let's make standards the way people are really using this stuff. But there was probably an intermediary step where it would have been nice to be asked and, and go, oh, well, if you're doing that, let's have a conversation. Problem is conversations yeah. take seven years, and that's the W3C, and people were restless, which again is why. Be nice. Yeah, Todd yeah, Libby. It, it, oh, Hi, yeah, Todd. yeah. I just wanted to get, get Todd up on here. Yeah, it took a class in college uh, and school used Mac uh, G3s with IE5 back in 2003. Yeah, we we all been there. G3s. Those G3s. The, those the towers or the Yeah, they the were the tower. No, no, no. They they were the tower. I think okay. they went up to the towers were up to G4. Was it the you, colorful you, towers if I remember correctly? Uh, I don't think the G3s were. I think they were just the gray towers. That it was that, before like, the iMac, right? Was it before? Yeah, it was the, before. No, 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 no. It was it was, oh, it was during the iMac. But the, the iMac, iMac, the original iMac was very underpowered was like right. a yeah. consumer model. So it was like, if you're doing video editing, you need the G3. Uh, but if you're a school, buy an iMac. That's or right. If you're yeah. a family, buy an iMac. Yeah, if you were a professional, you went for uh, th that G3. You were like, oh yeah, you know, I'm I'm really doing some stuff. <laughs> or if you were broke, you went for a um, clone, which is what I did. And I was very mad at Steve Jobs when he came See, back. See, no more clones. They were colorful, egg shaped. I was, I was right. They were the colorful ones. Yeah, <laughs> oh, you're right. The, the handles, I think. Do you have a, yeah, you have a, screen, a screenshot? Oh, I'm, I'm just quoting Todd here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of the, I mean, we're talking about web standards. I mean, you were, you know, you're heavily involved in the web standards project. You know, to help start all that. I, I didn't know that you were briefly ha were a reporter. How did you, you like? What was your transition into into oh, doing web development? Like, what what was your? There was another that? step in. So I I failed at a lot of jobs before <laughs> I. Uh, we all do. <laughs> right, and and I think you're supposed to. Um, I, I learned something from every failure. Like failure is great. 
Um, but uh, so, okay. So there was a, a paper called City Paper in Washington and Baltimore, and I was living in Washington, D.C. And I went in with something I'd written, and they said they weren't interested. And then <laughs> uh, the editor quit the paper, and he took all his loyal writers with him. So all the writers mm. left the paper. And so the new editor-in-chief, who the owners had hired, he was calling people and going, okay, can you still write for the paper? And they're like, no, I'm loyal to so-and-so, and we're going to do it. So in desperation, he started going through their morgue of rejected stuff. He liked my thing, and he said, come in. He said, would you would you write for us? I said, yes, but I want a column, and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I got, so I got this music column. I was, I was also a musician at the time, and there was a big, well, there was a really interesting um, early hip-hop scene, uh, and there was a really interesting hardcore scene both happening in DC. And I thought nobody's really covering the, the, the hip hop scene was called go-go. It was like a, a sort of a swing beat that was, it was started with kids in alleys hitting, hitting drums. Uh, and, and nobody was covering this stuff. So I said, I would cover it. And I had this column, which I called kilohertz. And that was, so I leveraged the editor's desperation. Not that I was like a strike breaker or anything, but just like, this was my chance. I took my chance. And after I'd been doing that for about a year, Richard Harrington, the Washington Post, uh, contacted me and said, we'd like you to write for us. And I was like, oh, my God, you guys published, you you know, you broke Watergate. Oh, my heavens to God, this is an amazing opportunity. Sure, I'll do it. Um, so I was doing it, but I was getting $35 an article. And I would have, uh, you know, 20 minutes to write the article. And they made me cover like Three Dog Night and Bruce Springsteen and groups like the, like touring groups from the 60s. And, and I'm not putting those groups down. And I'm certainly not putting down Bruce Springsteen. But I kept saying, we have this local scene that I'd like to cover. Like Rolling Stone does this. Cream Magazine does this. There's already publications out there that cover. Yeah. From my point of view, there were already publications that covered mainstream successful rock and i wanted to cover this other thing and, and from their point of view our readers in alexandria virginia who live in the suburbs uh you know and commute to work in in dc they don't really care about some punk group in dc they want to hear about bruce springsteen so that made sense anyway they fired me but before they fought they fired me without explanation but before they did I had started freelancing at an ad agency just because I was not making a living at $35 an article. And the ad agency, one day there was a new, there was a Washington Post article by me here, tiny one. And right next to it was an ad that I had worked on. And I was like, this is a sign from God. Like, this is a weird coincidence. <laughs> and yeah. the ad sucked. Don't like, it was my early ad. I, I it was terrible. But I was getting a salary there. And so I went, I have to. So when they fired me, it was kind of like, well, that's easy. That decision's easy. So I I was a journalist and I and I then I became a, an ad person. And when I moved to New York, there was no internet yet. And I got into advertising. And I really uh struggled there. I'm creative, but I think to really succeed at something, well, you need luck and privilege and opportunity. There's lots of stuff that happens, but you also need passion. And I 
enjoyed advertising like a critic. I enjoyed ads from the 60s, you know, from the golden age of advertising. I was fascinated by the stories. I enjoyed the work, but I wanted to go home at night. And it wasn't for people who wanted to go home at night. It was like work seven days a week. You know, if you're not willing to come in Saturday, you don't bother showing up on Sunday. So, um, so, and I worked, I also, because I had started in DC when I came to New York, they were like, yeah, you worked at a regional agency. So you're already on a bad career path. You can't, mm. you can't work at a good agency. It was like the, almost like the Soviet Union. You're going to be a ballerina and you're going to be a worker. And that's that. And so I wasn't a ballerina. I was a worker. Basically, I could work at some place that made money and did boring ads. And places would hire me almost as the loyal opposition. Like bad agencies would hire me and pay me a living salary. And I would do work that didn't get produced to scare their clients back into the mediocrity that they were selling. So they'd say, well, Here's Zeldman and his partner came up with this edgy idea. Oh, see, you don't really like that. Well, that's okay because Chuck over here and his team came up with this very safe ad about, you know, for the seafood lover in you or, you know, only from the mind of Minolta. I like, I, I did a, an ad for Minolta. Don't write your life story in pencil for this. Um, point and shoot camera that used 35 millimeter technology, which was new then. Point and shoot, but with 35 millimeter. That was amazing. That's standard now, but it was amazing then. So I wrote like, don't, don't write your life. You wouldn't write your life story in pencil. And what they bought was only from more Minolta magic from this other team that did like super safe stuff. I'm not saying I wrote the best ad in the world, but there was thought in the ad. So I was, I was frustrated there. And then one day I'm in an ad agency uh, with, and Warner Brothers is the client and they say, hey, can you make websites? Don Buckley was the VP. Yeah. And I, we just lied and said we could. We'd never seen a website. I'd never seen a website. I, th I was like strictly from AOL at that point, right? That was like, AOL has, you know, graphic design and the web looks terrible. But, but we, um, we were ignorant enough to do all the wrong things and have like full screen backgrounds and all kinds of stuff that a lot of, the, we, we had a flash intro before there was flash. We had like an animated intro. Um, I worked with Alec Pollock and Steve McCarran, two really super talented art directors. And the three of us just locked ourselves in Steve's office for like three months, refused to work on anything else. And after that, as soon as that was out, um, I made a personal site. And one of the things I started doing was explaining how to do web stuff because I thought everybody's going to want to do this. Every artist, musician, writer, everyone on the planet, every political person, every person who who um, can't get their point of view out. I, I was in love with the democratizing idea of it. I still am, despite the dangers that we're discovering with all that and uh and i i wrote a thing called ask dr web which was this first early primitive how to do web stuff web design stuff which had terrible advice like table layouts and all the things we don't do now but good for the time it was it was okay for the time and also yeah. the other thing i loved about the web um a week after 
we launched the site. The client's very happy. John Buckley, the, the director, Joel Schumacher is very happy. It was for Batman Forever. He's like, oh, it's better than a movie. I'm like, no, it's not. But thank you. That's a great compliment. <laughs> Obviously, it's not better than a movie. But um, the text was wall to wall because there were no gutters. And then I discovered this website called uh, Webwonk by David Siegel, uh, where he said you could make gutters by turning on uh, like cell padding and tables and turning off the display of the borders of the. So I did it and I, I, I sweet talked a producer at Warner Brothers and said, can I just go back up there online? And I edited the files online in fetch. And, to, and I was like, but what a thrill to change something live that like half a million people were looking at. Also, yeah. there were 1 million web users and we had half a million uh, unique visitors. So like, I'll never be that successful again. It was the first project and it was like half the web, half the web used it. It was the, <laughs> for a week, it was the Facebook of its day, you know? Yeah, you, you, you built a, you built a better Batcave is what, it, what I've uh, uh, got from that story. I, I love how everything like, like they didn't, they didn't even know that they could make a website. You guys didn't know you could make a website. And then you even, when I think you were pitching against a, another company too. And you, like in the middle, middle of the meeting, you stood up because they were like, yeah, Batman's going to come out and he's going to say blah, 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 blah. And you're like, Batman doesn't talk. Yeah, that's right. I, I was like, yeah, Batman doesn't talk. They like just blurted <laughs> it out, which is totally rude. I never should have done that. But, but, you know, and if they if they could have totally wanted, they could have said, we're going to use a Perl script and we're going, like, they could have, like, so surpassed us on technology and experience. They could have talked about early interactive strategies of 1995 and, and kicked our butts. But, um, but as in this, in this pitch, in this fight between the two rival potential builders, they said Batman swings out on a vine and says, hi, I'm Batman. And I went, Batman doesn't talk. Like, I just, like, like how could you pimp Batman like that? How could you misjudge the character? It's just insane. He doesn't even talk in the movie. He's like, like he's, you know, he's yeah. like five angry words, like the kind of Batman that we had there. And so, um, and the client, Don Buckley just like looked and it was like, oh, it's done. One of the greatest things I learned as a designer is like what you there's a moment there's a moment in almost every meeting where if you say the right thing, everything else follows. You can really not always, but sometimes you can get alignment, you can get buy-in, you can sell work by, by listening and hearing that one really important thing that you just have to comment on. Again, it's a passion thing. Right. A lot of times designers go, oh, why do I have to sit in this meeting? It's so boring. Or I hate to present my work or I hate to, you know, oh, my God. Yeah, look at that. That's um, <laughs> nice. that's the website. I love that's, it. That's the website. Um, we and I, a, I love I love the navigation at the bottom. Yeah, that was, you know, that and that was inspired by uh, CD-ROMs. It was inspired by America Online. Cute navigation was a really people hadn't done it on the web, but so we did it on the web because, um, well, 
one of us was a gamer and was really into CD-ROMs uh, and just digital design generally. So it was bringing a lot of stuff that, uh, some thinking from digital design into the web for the first time. And, and to do that, that's all a, um, an image map, right? Where it's a giant image and it's clickable. And this relies on everyone having the same size monitor, right? Or everyone having the same 640 by 480 <laughs> dimensions, regardless of their pixel size. You know, if you had a bigger monitor, the pixels were just bigger. But um, yeah, and it's kind of obvious, right? The, the text files are in the library, the downloadable videos that were 300 by 200 pixels that took an hour or two to download like a few seconds um, at the time with 14.4 modems and 28.8 modems. But uh, I mean, it was magical. And I, I think just also I took, um, I took a Nicole Kidman photo that was like three megs in Photoshop, which before Photoshop had layers, just because of, you know, it was a very high quality photo and I reduced it to like a, a 4K GIF. Wow. And, you know, and, and just the idea that you could take something so resource intensive and make it so light and transportable. Obviously, the 4K GIF didn't look anywhere near as good as the four megabyte Photoshop file or the, you know, half meg JPEG. But it was but accessible. It was, it was, well, it was, yeah, it was accessible in, in the broader sense. It was accessible. In the broader sense. Yeah, and, and, and in the time too. I really enjoyed too the whole um, uh, 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 part of the story where it's, you, you know, everybody said, uh, yeah, of course we could do it. Yeah, of course we could do it. You know, it's kind of the, um, the, the, the like the fake it till you make it kind of thing where yeah. it's like, you know, just, but it, it's not about faking it. I, I really don't like that term. It's more about just kind of accepting that you could be, um, you, you could take something on and try it and be, you know, just let yourself be vulnerable, be the worst at something and accept that. And because th that's where all learning starts, right? A blank slate and just accepting, you, you know, you might be the worst at it, but you could say, yeah, I could do it. And you learned how to do it and you put out this great project and look where it led. So, you know, I, I think accepting things and, and, and saying, you know, let me try this. And who knows where that could lead, obviously, with, with your story that, that led somewhere great. Frederick, almost everyone I know from who started when I did or mm -hmm. who started within five years of that, everybody faked it till they could they made it because we were nobody knew anything. Yep. True. Exactly. Nobody knew anything. It was um, the web wild west. There was nothing. Also, I I mean where I work now, uh automatically we we, we have a creed. Sounds weird, but we have a creed of like beliefs that we basically subscribe to when we're thinking of working there. And, and it's no problem is insurmountable given enough time and effort. No problem is insurmountable. And I will always keep learning. And I think those two things are at the start of my career. And they're still like, that's how I live every day. Like, like I don't, I think we can do it was advertising speak for we are confident that with our abilities and with the available information, we can learn what we need to learn to make something great for you. Yeah, it, you could be endlessly resourceful if you if you look in yourself and you're determined. You could you could do it. You could do anything. 
and I know so many people who have overcome all kinds of disabilities, overcome coming from poverty, and it doesn't mean that everyone gets to or that someone who who can't overcome an obstacle is deficient. I'm not saying that, but I'm but I'm saying that um, I'm inspired by people who overcome things, overcome obstacles, and I think that's part of the life journey we all have, one way or another, right? Yeah, absolutely. It, it makes me uh, kind of transition into your your career journey a little bit. I think we could touch on it because in, in my research, it seemed that your 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 whole journey is a combination of a few factors, right? It's it's the chance you you kind of were in the right place at the right time with with uh, the way the web was. Um, you took responsibility, you took ownership for the way things were, and try to uh, help everybody out. Um, you know, you, you were you were relatable. You were the you know somebody just trying to do it just like everybody else in a blue beanie. Um, you know, you you were there. So I I believe that you know there, there's many lessons here. It's it's about keeping your eyes open. It's about um, being able to um, look around and try to find opportunities. Um, so I I wanted to ask you um, what was what what some of the current opportunities now that that you might see in uh, in the industry that that kind of go back. Uh, aligned with what, where you came from and how, how you started? Like, is it um, like voice technology? Is it, is it something else? Oh, I think, okay, man, my brain, I, I, I'm thinking faster than I can speak. Um, it's a wonderful question. I think there's a real opportunity in our industry to make user experience not user exploitation so that's Ooh. first i think there's an opportunity to look at a lot of we've gotten really good at some wonderful patterns removing friction making it easier for people to shop making it easier for people to get information we've also come up with a lot of uh, addictive destructive uh patterns right we know how to make it almost impossible for someone to stop paying a monthly fee because it's so hard or make it almost impossible for them to return the product even though by the letter of the law we say you can return the product for a refund there we know how to make that so difficult that people many people give up and just end up throwing this thing away and, and throwing their money away um the anti-patterns anti-patterns we know yeah, there's a lot of anti-patterns. We know them. There's a lot of uh, dopamine-driven experiences, which I'm as addicted to as anyone else. Uh, but we have the chance to do better as an industry. So that's one thing. Um, also, accessibility is something that it's super important. It's still observed mainly in the breach. It's something people talk about and companies now give lip service to, but it's kind of like, like diversity and everything else. It's the company wants to do a better job. They know they should do a better job. They talk about it. They have pamphlets. They'll say, hey, this is the law and we believe in it, but they're still screwing up. So there's an opportunity um, to make more accessible experiences. and when you bring up voice control and stuff like that, all of that works together because mm -hmm. as you're designing an experience that's that that's voice amenable, that can be controlled by the voice or by the movements of a head, things that you do for accessibility now may end up being something that works for a non-disabled driver 
who who make something happen by moving their head later. Um, things that you do with voice commands to help a, a person who's um, physically whose whose hands are disabled uh, may end up making an experience that a gamer or a television viewer can can use in their home. Making something like Alexa. So it all overlaps the multi device universe, the need for. Uh, for have basic content structures that are still that are accessible and and structured in a way that content's still findable all that stuff's really important there's kind of a war but not the one you're thinking of there's a war between we can make stuff that's so awesome by grabbing the power of these platforms these complex platforms and we can make stuff that's awesome by starting simple and building an accessible experience first and then layering in. So, so um, progressive enhancement, the idea that you layer on top of a basic uh, accessible experience, that you layer um, levels of additional uh, experience, maybe visual, maybe some, some uh, you know, maybe, um, touch but it works without touch or it works without a mouse like there's that but there's also a lot of stuff getting built right now where people feel like it's got to be like an app and it's got to be the kind of app that works for 80 percent of our users and it's got to be you know it's got to be there's always been a war between um a conflict a tension an interesting tension not a war an interesting tension between pushing the envelope on exploration and discovery and making something new and cool like we did when we made batman forever but if i go back that was a completely inaccessible site and you had to have netscape 1.1 to see it but but it pushed boundaries and going back to excuse me to the tried and true things that something should work for everyone regardless of their device regardless of the size of the screen, regardless of their abilities, um, regardless of their cognitive abilities. Um, so I think there's a real opportunity there. I think web design and development product design is really hard and complicated right now. I the, the days when you could open fetch and drag a few files to a <laughs> server, which I missed, those days are gone because our stuff is more complicated and more capable, but, but we're trading off alert. We're trading it off for a high learning curve. I don't know how you start now. And I worry mm -hmm. too, that like a boot camp that prepares you, like you come in, you know, nothing, and they're going to train you with everything, you know, they're going to go like, now you know how to use react and you know how to use bootstrap and you need to know how to use these five other things but you don't have the basics. So it's yeah. almost like giving people 12 fonts and Illustrator, but not teaching them a graphic design. So I, yeah. I feel there's an opportunity for educators. If you're a generalist and you feel, if you're a generalist, you may think, oh, I can't, I, you know, I don't know React. I don't know this, that, the other. No one will hire mm -hmm. me as an engineer, but maybe they'll hire you as a pro product uh, owner as a product designer, as a product developer. Being a generalist is still an important thing in companies, um, in agencies, 
So being a specialist is a great way to go and being a generalist is a great way to go. It depends on whether you're happier figuring out the experience and brand of a product or whether you're happier fine tuning the details, right, of a particular aspect, a particular niche of it. Yeah, I've definitely seen that with uh, bootcamp uh, people I've interviewed because I'm a, a manager at my organization and a lot of people who go through the boot camps, I, I, I like to compare it to this. Like it's like getting a microwave dinner um, and you can put it in the microwave and you make it and you have your food as opposed to um, chopping up the ingredients and, you know, knowing salt and pepper and, you know, the spices, what do you put in? Um, you know, the boot camps, I think they're amazing. Uh, I wish back when in my day there were things like that, but they do. I, I they I caution anyone going into them. You know, learn the basics too. I'm like, you know, take what they're teaching you and go above and beyond that. Yeah, and, you need both now. I, yeah, I and, think you you mentioned the same kind of thing the other day on uh, when you were talking. I think you were had a uh, interview with Dan uh, the other day where you're talking about how me, it was easy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, Jeffrey. When when you were uh, talking about like Rachel Andrews, like when she first got into CSS and how back in the day it was a lot easier to get into something like such as that, like CSS. And now it's you know where do you start? Right. Yeah. There's um, during a pandemic and with childcare going back to home, and um, there's a wonderful opportunity for parents maybe who are looking to transition to new work to learn and and work remotely on the web but the web is so complicated that if you're just starting i don't know how you do that and i i do quote my friend rachel andrew who was a, a young mom um and became a web designer and it was possible to do that back then what you know with your baby in one arm and and your fingers on and the other hand on the keyboard um and i think that's that's harder now i i hate the idea that we're losing that i hate the idea i i loved view source like when i was teaching people how to do stuff i was telling them what i'd observed in view source as much as anything else you know i looked at so how did so and so do this how did they get those two things to align or uh, wow, that's so interesting. It was like the inspector. Now you would like pop open the inspector. But, but even now, with yeah. the inspector, everything's so complicated. And, and we've replaced like millions of table cells with millions of divs and and yeah yeah don't i yeah so and class names that are like hashes <laughs> that are like what does yeah. this even do <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I did want to say one other thing with accessibility i kind of feel yes. like to me it compares because i i've been you know doing my best to learn it and i'm gonna get certified and everything myself but it oh, wow. uh it, it it kind of seems from my research and trying to learn things the beginning days of the web and some weird ways where it's not documented well the guidelines are kind of loose uh all the screen readers and the browsers support some of this some of that um so it's really um i encourage anyone who has even a glimmer of interest in doing web development learn accessibility uh you know along with everything else yeah so it's important. not automated i mean there are automated yeah. tools and all that there's so, very limited so the yeah. first the first uh, WCAG, WCAG, uh, yeah. uh, accessibility standards were a bit loose and open to interpretation. Yeah. Um, and people complained. So they made the second set of guidelines that are 
much more, you know, the candle power of, you know, how many lumens of contrast is, is, mm -hmm. is sufficient and all that stuff. And, you know, that's not perfect either because it's possible to comply with every one of those requirements that make something inaccessible. It's possible yep. to have, right. It's possible to have alt text and all these things that are inaccessible for some and yet still be inaccessible. So it still requires judgment, like anything interesting. Right, you can't you can't automate being a doctor, you can't automate being an attorney, right? Uh, I think web and product design and development are things that require. I'm not talking about the complexity of the platforms and all that other stuff. I'm talking about doing it well, doing anything well, whether it's playing basketball, playing the violin or designing web experiences, whatever it is. It requires human judgment, taste, thoughtfulness, experimentation, willing to learn, uh, willingness to learn, willingness to fail, um, working with people, not designing for people, but designing with people. Um, so yeah, I think, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah, because the, uh, the web is for everybody. The web is for everybody. That, that's yeah. the nature of it. J Jeffrey, we're getting really close to the end. I just, I, I would feel bad if we didn't talk about the uh, event apart event coming up uh, very Summit. soon. Yeah. 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 Do, do you mind April. If, sure. Yeah. Do you mind yeah. if we just touch on that really quick? If, if, sure. if you want to talk about it. Sure. Absolutely. So um, we, uh, Eric Meyer and I, with our staff, uh, you know, Toby Molina, Marcy Eversole, um, and we uh, we made this conference, uh, and we used to do six shows a year um, in various cities with twelve speakers, and they would be the best speakers we could find. Um, if you could put it, if you could put that screen up again and scroll down a bit, and and then since COVID, um, is it possible to? Oh no, you can't. Oh, I'm sorry. It's it's, a, it's yeah, a, it's yeah, a, it's a piece of artwork. Okay, yeah. I appreciate the artwork. That's awesome. It's anavanapart.com, but we have uh 16 speakers over three days they're like the best speakers we can find we curate the heck out of the experience because we're experienced designers so the day starts maybe you know with it's musical it's like listening to a good playlist or like watching a story there you know it starts maybe with a really good general topic and then moves into a stream of learning something we we serve developers as well as designers. It's a front-end UX conference. So it's not, there are interaction design conferences that are very good. There are UX conferences that are very good. There are front-end code conferences that are very good, but this is a holistic conference. It's for, it's everything. And, you know, Eric and I, before we started this conference, we'd both done hundreds of speaking gigs, like literally. Uh, and I used to watch other conferences and, and, and learn from them, um, what makes a good conference. And, and one thing we both agreed, we used to meet at South by Southwest every year, um, and have brunch, which was fantastic. And that I, I was just getting to know Eric and we always said, we love South by Southwest for all the content it's putting on, but man, today I have to choose between four things I want to see that are all on at the same time. And then when I talk, and, and I can only see one of them, um, 
wouldn't it be great to have a purely linear conference where everyone sits in the same room for the same and everybody sees the same thing? No breakouts, nothing. So that everyone's taught, there's a typography session, everybody, everybody sees it. There's a responsive design. Well, we didn't know about that then, but, but you know what I mean? Whatever it is, yeah. everybody shares it together. That was our idea. Now that, you know, it's now kind of, it's become a standard in its way. There are other one track conferences and that's cool. Um, but it's a one-track holistic conference curated musically with the best speakers we can find with things um best practices things that are coming down the pike things that are a bit experimental but won't be soon i mean rachel andrew was teaching css grid at our show four years ago and jen simmons was doing advanced layout and, and uh ethan marcotte debuted responsive web design on our stage. Um, Christina Halverson was on our stage talking about content strategy 12 years ago. So a lot of things that become standards, become it's a good place to learn what's coming. And yeah, what, sure yeah what I love about it is the diversity too. And I'm a big, I'm a big believer too of one track. Like I hate, <laughs> I hate using the word hate, I shouldn't use it, but I don't it's like uh, multi-track conferences because it's always like that one that i want to see over here and then one over here i want to see and i'm like ah which one do i go to uh, but and then and then yeah. when you share with your with other people afterwards you go did did you see what alice so-and-so said and they're like no like, did you see what no. brian says so -so? you're <laughs> yeah. like no exactly so this way everybody you get to network with people who've all had the same experience and I think you're also, and correct me if I'm wrong, Jeffrey. They're, you're they're providing a promotion, like you you get a, a copy of uh, the the new the new book um, when you buy a ticket. Which book is if it? If you if you buy, yeah, it's Dan Cedar Holmes. Yeah, Dan Cedar Holmes fine new book, uh, Twenty Bits I Learned About Design, the Business and Community. Cool. Uh, Dan is a wonderful writer. Just amazing personality, really talented. Even did illustrations for this one. But it's, so it's it's the you get a free copy of the digital. We don't we don't mail you this. We you get the free copy of the digital if you buy a ticket uh, this month to to uh, the the three day show. Excellent. Yeah, awesome. and it's it's uh, so live. You get donuts. Live, there's snacks and meals, hot meals all day long, and all this stuff that we can't do. But digitally, but what we can do, you're watching someone give a presentation, and you're also communicating with them uh, on uh, in a conversation channel. So, oh, Todd Libby says AE events, AE <laughs> events are a great time, live or virtual. Thank yep. you, Todd Libby. Todd Libby has been to many of these. So, thank <laughs> yes. you very much. So, thank you very much, and and y'all have been. Uh, we did a, a booth with you with you folks uh, a few years yeah. ago. Yeah, so I hope we can do that again soon because that's a lot. Yeah, that was yeah, that I was so it. much fun. I I really wanted to come up and say hi to you, but I think me and you both suffer from the same uh, uh, resting beanie mug. Uh, so I was like, oh, I don't know if I should say hi. I was a little intimidated. I love <laughs> meeting people, but then I get I get like now I have to go lie down in my room. I, I yeah, I really, me too. I, okay. And so, yeah, so the, the, the silver lining of the pandemic is I don't have to go out as much. And everyone else is going like, man, I miss, I miss, and I, I miss restaurants. I miss looking at my favorite 
scenery and everything, but uh, but there's something nice about like rolling out of bed, rolling over to the computer, rolling back to bed. Like my weird little hermit brain kind of digs that. So yeah, so, yeah. But it'll be great when we can do the live shows again for sure. But I, we're I, trying. Yeah. We're trying to make the digital experience as close to it as we can and and having some success, I think. Yeah, I definitely miss the uh, live conferences and, and the like. But what I don't want to miss right before the end of the show, we like to, to have a little segment we call lightning questions where we okay. each ask you a quick question. Um, and oh, there's the lightning. <laughs> and so I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, so if uh, if you were in the circus. Would you rather be the person with their head in the lion's mouth or that gets shot out of a cannon? I don't want to be in the circus. It's cruel to animals. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good answer. It's a good answer. Go ahead, Fred. Jeffrey, Jeffrey what song stuck in your head right now? Uh, Bend Down the Branches by Tom Waits because it's just oh, a ridiculously a heartbreaking song. That's a good um, one. So good. What? What? chore do you absolutely hate doing like you're like you don't want to do that one picking up kleenexes from the floor <laughs> how they got there i won't say <laughs> jeffrey blood Money's my favorite album which one's your favorite tom waits album right now for tom waits i would say um um orphans brawlers and ba- uh, uh brawlers, yeah, the brawlers and bastards yeah it's just and then um so good also, a really old album that he did um, called Foreign Affairs. Um, oh, the especially 70s. Side One. Yeah, the 70s. With completely different sound. Uh, and he has a duet yeah. with, with Bette Midler, but it's like, girl, since you left town. Just like, he's like a, this weird 150-year-old <laughs> drunk singing to a cigar, <laughs> singing like to a cheap cigar. And like yeah. coming out of a, it's just, I don't know. It's beautiful. It's, it's, it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, so so where do you mind not waiting so you're waiting somewhere and you're like you're i'm okay waiting here um i didn't mind waiting for my shot oh that is my vaccination that's a very good it's one like, yeah. i was like you know what happy to be here it's okay um also this is weird when i travel i don't mind sitting in the car in fact i start to get like addicted to being like if i'm in a uh if I'm in a lift or a taxi on my way to the airport, at a certain point, I just wish that the taxi ride would go on forever. I don't know why it's bizarre. And when on a you just need flight, a on a flight, um, I get off again, like I'm taking uh, some kind of transportation to the hotel, and I start to wish I didn't have to go to the hotel. I start to wish I could just stay on the train forever. I don't mind you know, three, four-hour train rides. I like them. So I don't know. It's weird. Um, I hate sitting in an airport and uh, yeah. And I hate taking a really long time to cook. Uh, I'm really good at recipes that I can make in about five minutes and bad at anything else. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey, l- let me ask you, I know you were in a band called the Insect Surfers and correct yes. me if I'm wrong, but what instrument are you playing? Do you still play now? And uh, do you have any kind of musical aspirations that, that, that you I have, continue with? I still play keyboards. I've played them since I was eight. Um, I should be a lot better, but I, I don't really play much anymore. I, I was more of a composer. Um, hmm. Had I 
I gave up on music uh, when I was 29. I was just like, okay, I, I can't make a living with this. I think like, like most people, um, the amount of drive that you need uh, and also yeah. you should feel like you have no other options. If you have another talent, it's so much easier to get paid for any other talent, regardless. If you're a mediocre accountant and a pretty <laughs> damn good yeah, yeah. keyword player, you're better off as an accountant. Like, like more there's money. more work for you. And I'm, I'm not putting accountants down. I'm just saying if you're an okay, if you're an okay designer, and design is creative, and I love design, but if you're an okay designer, there's more work for you than if you're a really good musician, but not great. Like you have to be so great. And but you then, might have more fun as a musician. And Maybe. then and then you have to have a something very unique and personality. Like you have to be Prince or or Bowie or or um Tom Waits. Yeah, not, oh, Tom Waits. I'm not gonna I'm not even gonna go on. And uh <laughs> yeah, go ahead. So what my my next question for you? Uh what fact amazes you when you think about it? The, we're all made of stars. That's a good one. Yeah. My my last uh, fast question, lightning question here is uh, Jeffrey. What are are those novels that you wrote? Are they out there somewhere? Oh, they, yeah. I, I wrote and, three and, books in my twenties. Oh. Uh, I finished um, two of them. They were terrible. I lived in a complete fantasy world. Um, my daughter is brilliant and she says she's weird. And I say, no, you're creative. But honestly, I was weird. Uh, I am creative, but I'm <laughs> we're also, all weird. I, I, yeah, I have to accept like we're all weird and that's that's fine. You know, I don't think Tim Burton was popular as a child and that's OK. Like not not saying we're as good as he is, just saying in our own special way, we're also awesome. I think everyone, you know, so, so yeah, that was a weird answer. Was it, was that a complete answer? I'm not sure. That was that, a complete that, answer. By brain way, fog. That, I plead brain, brain fog. That brings me to that uh, Netflix uh, show that's coming out with Tim Burton. He's doing a, a Wednesday Adam show on Netflix live oh, action. Really? Oh my. Oh, that's Just weird. got announced yesterday. Yeah, I know. So it's excited. Weird. But, but, but no matter how good it is, um, it's always going to be Christina Ricci for me. You know, Christina oh, Ricci yeah. is Wednesday Adams. Like, I don't know how you could top that. Yeah. Then yeah, again, it's pretty impossible. Then again, I liked the show Hannibal, and I think Mads Madsen, what's his name, Mads. I think yeah, he, he was. Amazing. He made me forget while I was watching that show. He made me forget um, the brilliant British actor. Yeah, he's amazing. Brian, do you got any more? Uh, no, no, that's it. I mean, all, all I want to say is, you know, time is more valuable than anything else. And I really appreciate that, you know, you shared some of yours with us this morning. So thank you. for Likewise, you yeah. all have a, you have a great show. You're wonderful interviewers, really nice people. I'm wishing thank you all you. the best. And uh, let's thank you again sometime. Uh, and, and Jeffrey, Je the last thing we like to ask people is uh, if, if you have any kind of parting advice for the audience. Uh, I, I would say uh, no problem is insurmountable. And I would take it right from, uh, you know, trust yourself. Uh, we all have um, we all have imposter syndrome. Everyone has imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Everyone feels like they're faking it. 
um, we're all faking it. It's like parenting or anything else. You, <laughs> you figure it out on the job. There's no manual. And no matter how much training you have, there's still there's unique stuff that you're going to contribute that no one else can. So believe in yourself. If people, if you're looking for a job and people don't get you and you're not getting hired, that's on them. Because there is something that's perfect for you. That's something that only you can do and nobody can do as well as you and find it or make it, but believe in yourself and don't be discouraged. That's what I would say. Well said. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Jeffrey. Again, Pleasure. thanks for being on the show. I, I forgot I was going to have my blue hat on for the, oh. uh, for, for the, for the questions, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought I'd sport my blue beanie. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm making a fake one. here. I'm doing the gray one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bore, but yeah, Jeffrey Zelman, thank you so much for being on the show. Really appreciate it. And, Thanks, everybody, for watching. Yeah. Uh, catch you next time. Thanks, all. See you next time, everyone. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks for consuming the Thunder Nerds. We honestly and sincerely appreciate you watching and or listening to the show. Please subscribe on YouTube and iTunes. Write us a review. Keep a few stars our way. And above all else, please remember to send your favorite book suggestions to Brian Hinton. I, I like romance novels. They have happy endings. Oh man, I am rude. I am, I am rude. <laughs> oh, I guess no one's watching. That's shocking. <laughs> exactly. I love rhetoric. I love Frederick. I love Frederick. I love Frederick. I should have known the Terrator didn't mean us any harm when the Sword of Omens didn't obey me. And anyway, it was just plain stupid to assume it might be bad. Just what the <laughs> fuck am I talking about?